This is the second of two episodes on the same subject. So if you haven't listened to episode one, you should do that right now. The number of people who have responded to me to say, to I, I don't know if they're being honest or if they're lying, but you can't tell me that if this was a bus of indigenous kids or black kids that the response would be different. I, I must have seen that message about a thousand times. And it's like, are you that far into white supremacy that you honestly think that that's true? Like, we have examples of that. Mm-hmm. We know. Mm-hmm. We know the answer to that. And saying that we have a problem, we collectively, Canada has a problem, doesn't take away from anybody's individual tragedy. It's... Mm-hmm just identifying that we have a problem part of it it makes me wonder if capitalism has just made us all think that there's like finite resources on empathy or finite resources on fundraising or something and and that we just can't imagine that you can have multiple thoughts in your head (laughs) you know like you can't hear of a tragedy and at the exact same time wish that the political solution that caused that tragedy could have been fixed Mm -hmm. or that you can be super sad about a tragedy and at the same time you can't also be devastated that these other tragedies aren't getting addressed Mm -hmm. and and partly too it's like there's also the perfect victim narrative and women experience this all the time we are never perfect victims we're always at fault racialized people are never Mm -hmm. perfect victims they're always at some sort of fault from when, when something happens to them and And Mm -hmm. I wish that I could sit down with every single person who messaged me in good faith, confused about what I said. And I've I've invited people to follow up with me. Like, I just can't right now. It is so overwhelmingly much. Like, even just recording this, I already have have, um, more than 100 notifications, and that's filtering out 80% of what I'm getting. If it's the case that people don't understand this, like, don't respond with anger and rage. Don't respond with uh, telling me that I'm I'm an idiot when what I'm saying is literally true, is literally borne out in facts. Unless you actually are a neo-Nazi, which a lot of these people are too. So th- we have to watch how this plays out in, in the next couple of days. I don't, I don't really know what, like, my next steps are going to be. And it's something that, you know, you and I are for sure going to talk about offline. And maybe we'll talk about it um, on the on the next uh, episode as well. But, God, it's like this proves everything that I, I said. It proves everything that other people have said. Other people have since come out and said what I have said. And uh, you never really know when the swarm is going to choose a target and, and attack. But... My my God, like know what fucking side you're on and know that if the people on your side are also hurling death threats towards someone, you've probably picked the wrong side. <laughs> or if Sarah Palin is on Oh my your God, side. Sarah fucking Palin, man. What the? It's like Sarah Palin and then a bunch of, of shitty fake progressive men telling me to leave identity politics out of this. It's like, get the fuck out of here. Like, look, I, you know, this is probably going to be a longer episode than typical because we're already at the point that we usually we, we usually cut off. But there's just so much to say about this. Like, the uh, something that I want to mention is I feel like so many people, and I, I would just like to say, like, just watching my own Facebook and people that I am connected with, men more than anyone else seem to have been duped like manipulated by this easier Mm -hmm. um, than Mm -hmm. other people and 
you can actually trace this. And there's someone who I know who's a journalist who is tracing it. And so I hope that that article comes out next week. Uh, you can trace it uh, to, again, 4chan. You can trace it to uh, Reddit. You can trace it to certain Facebook groups where this started and what people were trying to get out of it. The, the messages are there. Feel free to go take a look and search for yourself. Who was uh, start trying to start this? what they were trying to do, who they were trying to get to pay attention to it, because it's actually there in the public. Like you can see what people were trying to do. Like there was a decision made Mm -hmm. to make this go viral. That doesn't happen by accident for an issue such as this. Sure, there might be some accidental viral things like, I don't know, like black women dancing to Fleetwood Mac. That was an excellent viral meme that happened a couple weeks ago that was probably an accident. Something like this, it doesn't happen by accident. Somebody decided that this was something that they were going to make massive for the reason of trying to prevent people from being able to talk about differential treatment that people get in like this hierarchy of grief that we've been talking about. There's been several people who are good people who I know on Facebook who seem to have been manipulated by this message, who who say, oh my God, but why wasn't she thinking about the people from Humboldt? She was. <laughs> That's what was part of the message that they truncated specifically in order to, to make it seem as though she wasn't. Um, you know, like, you know, why? But w- wasn't she thinking about the families? Yes, of course she was. She was thinking about those families and the families that are affected by other issues as well. That's the point. Nora's grief and empathy is broader than that of the typical Canadian public. That was the point. She's saying, you know, like, can we broaden our grief to make sure that everyone who's going through some sort of injustice or tragedy receives the same sort of response. And then, and then there was this, and again, you can trace this back. um, There was this like decision to make it about the timing instead of making it about the issue. And a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of people have been duped by that as well. Now, this is something that I think people think is like difficult or whatever. Like some people are like, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe the timing was wrong. Maybe she shouldn't have said it then. Okay. Um, I just want to understand from people, like what is the acceptable time to say something after a tragedy to make sure that you don't get death threats and threats to your person and family? Like, cause, cause that's the implication of saying that it was the timing. It's not the timing. And in fact, as I've said before, the time to provide solidarity and support to people who are going through the devastation of realizing that your tragedy, the injustice against your community, the tragedies that your families have been through doesn't matter as much is at that time. People are reeling at the same time. This isn't about timing. There is nothing about timing that makes nine million. What or wait? What? What was it at the end? Thirty million engagements. We're almost at thirty million. Thirty million engagements on Twitter, mostly hate, mostly threats, happen 
that has nothing to do with timing. Like, if this was a whole other situation where Nora posted that and, like, nobody cared, you know, like, the regular amount of people cared, and someone was like, hey, Nora, I feel like you should have maybe mentioned that next week, and then someone else was like, oh, actually, that was really helpful to me this week. Like, it would make sense to mention timing at Mm -hmm. that time. Mm -hmm. But at this time right now, where the context is, someone is getting literal phone calls, employers, like if we can call McLean's an employer, like if you're a freelancer, like someone yeah, who has employed Nor- Nora's services are din- are effectively attempting to distance themselves from her Yeah, at the delight of white supremacists. Is this the context in which you try to seem as a rational person in the middle of all of this to say, ah, yes, it is the timing? No, <laughs> it's not the context in which to do that. It is absolutely not. Mm-hmm. The context is such that timing is a red herring. This isn't about timing. Like, we are talking about the flood of messages that Nora has gotten, uh, not the fact that Nora put it out at a particular time that has nothing to do with either the content of what Nora said or the response and it certainly has nothing to do with the support for families or what the families need or what the families are saying like it has nothing to do with that at all at all well not to mention the timing the timing was also like like when Twitter is actually quite quiet Mm -hmm. so if you really really want to demand that I was like why did I choose the time that I did it's a, it, Sunday night is like my least active time. Someone sent me a message to remind me because I forgot that the editor-in-chief of McLean's was among the people who wanted to pitch money into an appropriation prize. And she offered $500, which was $150 more than McLean's paid for me to write that last piece. So I... Uh... And there was like this idea online, too, that I saw a lot that like Nora was trying to be pr- provocative. Like, oh, Nora, she's just trying oh, to God, stoke yeah. the fire. She was just trying to be p- provocative. It's like, I'm sorry, can can a woman not just have an opinion and uh, like express it like <laughs> that's actually about something there? Again, Nora's not the only one who expressed this opinion. This is ex- opinion has been expressed several times over several tragedies over uh, about several other issues. This has nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. The assumption that, oh, Nora deserves what she got because she was deliberately trying to be provocative on a Sunday night talking about a totally, like, obvious thing to talk about that so many people were already talking about is, like, is so wild. It's so wild. Like, I remember when you tweeted it because I saw it myself on that Sunday night. It was on Twitter. And I had thought to myself, oh, because I had literally just finished having a conversation with my brother about it on WhatsApp and was like, oh, yeah, I feel like Nora could have gone a little bit more into the analysis there. Like, I don't feel like she did enough uh, to analyze that. But uh, I'm glad at least she said something about it because I haven't seen any other white people say anything about it in, in the in the public sphere. So interesting. Like, it's so weird that people would think that this is something that, you know, you're doing in order to be provocative or to try to be famous, which is what some other people have said, or to, like, try to get money to this podcast, which is, like, hilarious and outrageous. Oh, yeah. Like, it's just, like, what? So many things that people have thought this is about, except the most obvious thing that it actually is about. Go look at Reddit. Go look at 4chan. Go look at Ontario Proud. 
Go look at these blogs. Sarah Palin doesn't get this by accident. A bunch of Sun columnists don't get this by accident. The Rebel doesn't get this by accident. It doesn't happen by accident ever, ever. And, you know, like other reporting outlets who may report on it, it's like, you know, this is a warning to you. You have to be very careful. In the case of BLM, y'all got it wrong. You were super manipulated by the right into putting out particular stories about individual members of BLM and about, you know, I don't know, like how black people aren't queer. It's like, you know, like the the, the right like sends you a story. And because it's like the, the, the Twitter of the day is like what where we're at people need to like get out as soon as possible and because people are lazy and because we live in a society that doesn't allow you to like that doesn't encourage people to see things from particular points of view you get ridiculous stories Mm. where literally you know Rodney one of my colleagues from BLM appears on TV and has to say black people are also queer like because you know the, the media is so duped by what they're seeing from the right like it, you know, the media has to be like the established media, mass media needs to be really careful when these types of things are being lobbed at them because there's a very effective organized machine out there, which both this situation and mm-hmm. the situation, well, actually, this situation in particular has taught me that we, you know, on the left are not prepared to deal with. Like, we are not prepared to deal with, like, the neo-Nazi organization onslaught that is going to be happening within the next few years. Oh, yeah. You know, with BLM... For me, it was like, okay, yeah, like the whole world hates black people. It seemed kind of regular. But for this, like, I was like, oh, God, Nora's white. Like, okay, they they thought you were Jewish also. So, like, there was like some weird anti-Semitism also happening as part of this. But, you know, they weren't sure about it. They also thought she was queer. Like, again, we were some sort of, we were lovers on this these message boards that people were saying that, you know, she's in love with this black woman, whatever. Podcast <laughs> lovers. <laughs> we're in a really long distance relationship. Um, uh, <laughs> that, don't tell my partner. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, don't tell your partner. It shows how profoundly um, ill-equipped we are because it's it's an issue that's not just not controversial and true but it's like packaged in the fucking most polite (laughs) acceptable but so many people actually on the left didn't see through it i was just and again like really shocked by the the disparity between the response uh, of women and non-men like I just <laughs> and men like men really didn't seem to understand. And I was just like really shocked that people didn't understand that this was like a really targeted, highly organized campaign. Yeah. How could you think that it was anything else like this doesn't this isn't organic. And oh man, I just like that makes me really scared. Mm hmm. It makes me really scared that we can't see through it. It makes me really scared that we're, like, not organizing in the right ways. I'm just, like, oh, God, like, filled with so much dread. Like, you know, there's – it's one thing for me, like, when it's, like, anti-black racism. That's, like, so regular (laughs) for me. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, it's just, like, that is obviously embedded in everything and everybody's ability to, like, not care. But with this, it just – it felt like it should have been obvious from where mm-hmm. I stand anyway, as a black woman, it felt like it should have been obvious. And just to see so many people not get it, I was like, and be manipulated, like effectively manipulated by 
a highly organized Ugh, I hate using this term, but alt right. No, I'm not gonna like white supremacist campaign. Hard right, like or like it's it, like it's so gr- like how could you allow yourself to be manipulated like this to act yeah. towards a woman in a particular way like this? Like y'all, there's a lot of rot in a lot of our in a lot of groups that people are connected with, and y'all gotta figure that out. That is mm. some shit that you cannot continue into the future. This is the shit that makes them effective. Being able to tap into your latent mm-hmm. anti womanness, yeah. like, come on, yeah. get it together. Yeah. Whew. Well, one person that I posted a message of has seemingly gotten employer- in trouble with his employer, as I just got a message. Uh, because the guy is a mental health and career counselor and sent me this message. Listen up, bitch, you liberal, vegans, homos, minorities, feminists, make me sick and hopefully you rot in hell. No one cares about your fake gender bullshit. We stand proud and honor white Canada before anything else, including the shitholes from other countries. Anyway, it goes on like that. <laughs> and right, uh, obviously in support of the families from Humboldt and super supportive of his families of Humboldt and someone pulled up a, 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 a tweet from him from four years ago and someone responded saying you're the most racist person I've ever met <laughs> anyway his employer is on Twitter and uh, oh and wow s- yeah and says that uh, they are investigating him so you know look if you don't want to get fired don't send hate messages death threats to people the The reality is is that we need to find ways to talk about this stuff in ways that protect people and ways that don't don't require people to uh, to take like tremendous risks. But we also need people to be very serious about who can take risks. And if you have that capacity to take risks because of whatever your your employment situation, your family situation, or or who you are, then can you start taking some risks? Because um, it's it's really it's really lonely out here. <laughs> so there's like a lot of suggested responses of like. Just apologize, delete the tweets, you know, shut down your page. Don't feed the trolls. Don't feed the trolls. Like, go away for a while, whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know who you were getting those suggestions from. Like, with respect to BLM, I know that we were always getting those suggestions from men, which I think is really interesting uh, for all sorts of reasons. But I just like, okay, as someone who's like really interested in communications and really interested in, um, you know, engaging with mass media for the effect of uh, social change, like that, (sighs) there is like a media game that Mm. is often played. Here's another media masterclass, a communications masterclass. When like that's often reserved for politicians or public figures, that if you do something incorrect or if you do something that you even you you don't believe is correct, but broader society believes is incorrect, that you apologize for it or you remove yourself from the public sphere for a little bit, you lay low and you put out some sort of statement. Um, Maybe you resign from a position like, I don't know. You lay low for a minute, maybe you write a book about it someday, and then you come back into the public sphere. You're good. You can run for office again, maybe, or maybe your career is over, whatever it is. But the expectation is that as a public figure who owes a bunch of things to the public, um, that if you said something that uh, upsets the public, you apologize, 
provide some sort of restitution and uh you know that's that's the way that you engage with it that's that's the game it's the political game it's it's the media game sorry not political game it's a media game that is reserved for like politicians and celebrities so nora blm other people in the public if something happens like say a tweet is put out by a member of uh, blm far beyond far before anything that she's done it has nothing to do with blm um and people are like demanding you know like oh god it's so terrible we think it's so awful it's not actually awful it's just like the interpretation from the right that's been delivered to mass media that mass media is just regurgitating because they um, have done nothing of integrity with respect to this and they're demanding we want this person from uh, Black Lives Matter, and this is a situation that's actually happened. We want this person from Black Lives Matter um, to address this. And people are telling us, so many people are telling us, this person needs to step down. This person needs to apologize. Black Lives Matter needs to put out a statement. Same thing with Nora. Nora puts out this this tweet a lot of people are saying, okay, you need to take your page down for a little bit. You need to maybe get off Twitter for a little bit. You need to uh, put out a statement. You need to apologize. There's a reason why it's expected of public people who owe something to the public, perhaps because they're elected, perhaps because their whole entire career is made off of celebrity or whatever, that, that they have to play that media game. There's a particular reason. It's because they have an accountability to the public. They, they owe something to the public. Nora owes nothing to the public. A, a, a fucking like social advocacy group that's actually saying to the public, you need to change, and the public's like generally ignoring them, certainly doesn't owe anything to the public at all. And so you have a choice, Nora, BLM, any other group. You can play that game which has nothing to do with you and is not the way that people should be engaging with you you are not government you are not i don't know fucking a kardashian like you have no reason to respond in that way or you can stick to your principles and say actually I should be able to live as a human being who says weird things online or good things online or has, um, you know, communication online that has something to do specifically with a particular day in my life and call for the public to be just in interacting with black people. I can be a freelance journalist and also state that I see a disparity in the way that people deal with grief like there is no reason for Nora to apologize for something that is true and does provide support to communities who need it at that particular time there's no reason for it if you think that trolls literal trolls people who are commenting over and over and over because they have nothing better to do or because they're paid to do it because some people are, are going to go away or are going to be softened because Nora apologizes. They won't. They are emboldened by that. And if you think that it's going to help a group like BLM to apologize for something that has nothing to do with any sort of work that BLM is doing, 
to seem legitimate to people. It's not. It's an excuse for people to be able to lob hate at these groups, at Nora, at whomever, where normally they wouldn't be able to. And so saying sorry does nothing but embolden those people. This is not a situation of like, I don't know, the Liberal Party fucking lying over a gas plant or something where they have to have to say sorry to the public because and and or or else, you know, they're going to loot like that's not the same thing. You cannot you cannot engage with social justice groups, with individuals as though they're government and you shouldn't. And people who find themselves in this situation, like you don't have to play that game that people are saying that you need to play, where like you have to apologize. We were never going to, as BLM, you know, to, just to reference one of the times where we got the worst hate mail and we get like consistent hate mail, like it's always happening. There's like really committed people. But like one of the times where we were getting millions and millions and millions of hits was during Pride when we had uh, taken an action. Uh, during the Pride Parade of 2016. And at that time, people were like, oh, man, just apologize, just apologize, just apologize. It wasn't going to stop the onslaught. And so there was a decision that we had to make. Are we going to just, you know, say uh, sorry and hurt all the people who we were supporting through the action that we made, including ourselves, because we were supporting ourselves through that action? Or were we going to like take a look at the principles of the situation? I'm not saying never be reflexive and always stick to your guns. You should always be reflexive. Take a look back at what you did. Think to yourself, did I do anything wrong? Did I harm people? There's a potential that maybe some of these people are right. Like, take a look. And if you don't find anything there based on solid principles, then you should stick to your guns and not play any goddamn media games because you're trying to change shit. If you're trying to change shit in the world, if you're interested in social justice like Nora is, then you're not going to achieve that by playing a regular ass game that politicians who constantly uphold the status quo play. You can't play that Mm -hmm. same game. You have to put yourself in a position that's risky. That is Mm -hmm. the social justice game. So for all of you who are out there, and I know you meant well, and I love some of you like who are out there who are saying like, you know, take your page down, which is effectively saying like, allow them to think that they win. They've won. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying like, you know, like in every situation is different. Like maybe you're a person who doesn't have the same sort of support network that me or Nora has. And you do have to take your page down because you can't handle all of this, um, the cyberbullying that's coming. Like that makes sense for sure. But if you're putting out that recommendation as a result of, of thinking, oh, this is all way too much. Like if you just apologize, it'll get better. Or if you just take your page down, it will get better. No, 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 no. That uncomfortable feeling that risk that you're taking the the stuff that's lobbed at you is part of the process it's part of the process and y'all on the left like you you have to understand that if you're not feeling that every once in a while then i don't know what you're doing yeah i was surprised uh at how many people did think that uh just step away unplug this will make it this will make it better and you know, I a lot of people's suggestions, I think, came from them thinking about being in the same position mm-hmm. and what they would do. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I, I appreciate it. I, I definitely appreciate every message of support that I've gotten. It's been a lot of messages of support and, and I've done my best to try and 
and, and let people know that I appreciate their messages. But you you do have to do what's best for you. And as I said uh, earlier on this episode, I'm 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 able to take all of those hateful messages because I don't know either I'm a robot or I just don't care. Um, but I also know that a lot of people can't do that, and so. One of the things I was thinking that you and I have to do is figure out um, kind of like the steps to take when this happens next. Uh, so someone can kind of like choose your own adventure. It's like if you're, you know, if you're if you're ready for this, do this. If you're ready for this, do this. If you're not ready for this, then try to do this. But mm-hmm. the blanket idea that that acquiescing to these forces is going to make them better is is something that people absolutely cannot have in their head. I had I had one person ask, why do you keep posting the, the hateful messages? Aren't you baiting the trolls? It's like I'm posting them because the trolls are also saying that I'm making up how many messages that I'm getting, that I'm inventing how vile these messages are or that I'm selectively choosing them. And it's like I'm literally randomly choosing them. That's how bad they are. And I have, you know, you're going to send me a message with your name on it, calling me a whole bunch of stuff and saying that you want me to die. You fucking better believe I have no problem sharing that. Uh, the number of people that have asked me not to share their messages of support, I also totally get it. And I obviously respect that. But it, it just shows that 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 we're still in this mentality that the, that you can reason with the evil. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. You cannot reason with the evil. If, if you engage in a good faith discussion with someone who disagrees with you, that is one thing. And that is the that's what we all wish and hope for in our interactions with people when we're debating. But this is not a normal set of people. And so for every good faith discussion of someone that disagreed with me, I must have gotten 50 messages of the evil force that was not going to go away if I apologized. And that is not going to go away if I don't apologize. The fact is that they are going to be a part of my social media life for a while. They're not going to go away on Monday and they're not going to probably even go away next Friday. It's going to be a giant pain in my fucking ass, but that is fine because they're evil. Like what the hell? You can't reason with it. And so I like mm-hmm. I'm glad that you raised that as as being something that people need to think about. But the other side of it too is I'm also surprised by how many men and this isn't just men on the left, just men in general have congratulated me privately for not going dark and that's also not really what you should be doing (laughs) like Mm -hmm. if you go dark that's fine because you probably have to you have to go offline you have to shut down you have to this is hard totally to deal with totally you the back to the accountability (sighs) thing right i am not actually accountable to fucking any of you motherfuckers like i'm accountable to my community i'm accountable to the people that i do work with i'm accountable to my family and so i spend as much time as i need to to make sure that they kind of understand what's going on if anyone raises concerns and with one exception it's been pretty smooth um, but I'm not accountable to you, Sally, who lives in fucking Estevan. Like, I'm sorry that it's super sad, but you can't call me names and then demand to understand why I could be so evil. Like, I'm not accountable to you. And so you and the tens of thousands of other people who've demanded answers from me uh, interspliced with insults. Yeah. You can go to hell. I'm not apologizing. I'm not backing down. I'm not going dark. And I'm not going dark, not because I am some sort of superhero level of fucking ability to, 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 to defend my ideas. Because when people go dark, it's not as if they're hiding because they can't defend their ideas. I, I'm just, 
I'm just in a position where I can where I can do this. Um, and so, mm-hmm. you know, we also have to uh, appreciate those differences in how people respond to this stuff and not valorize one over the other. But on the strategic communication side, yeah, the politician's playbook, the Michael Bryant playbook, not good. Not good. <laughs> No. And uh, I, I'm glad you also mentioned like the reason why you're retweeting and showing people uh, what people are posting. I also make this decision often on my wall, like when trolls come after me for whatever reason, like sometimes I'll delete the things depending on what they've said. Like maybe it'll have hit a nerve that I just can't. I just don't want to handle or I don't think that people should be able should have to look at or maybe I'm having a bad day and I'll delete and ban people or whatever it is. But most of the time I make the decision to let it stay because I want people to see what it takes, like what it means to do this work. Like I want people to see that, you know, when they when they say like, uh, you know, sometimes I get congratulated for the work that I do or I get thanked. And I always like I'm always just like, I don't really know how to respond to that because it's not like your welcome is not the response. Like it's just like I need people to see that uh, it, there's a mm. lot of consequence that comes to it. Like the very little that you see online, like there's all sorts of consequence that comes from doing work like this in in real life. And I want people to, to know mm. that when we say that we're being attacked by people, um, that like I want them to see the reality of it so I, I leave it up there so that people can see that it's real and I think that there's like you know some of the responses to you Nora I've noticed are are coming as though nothing else is happening as though there's nothing else to see here you know and I just like as though the the private messages that you're getting that you're retweeting aren't aren't real and I think it's really important to show people um you know Mm -hmm. and and this isn't going to be everybody's strategy I just think it's important for people to see what is happening when you bring up issues of justice like it's this is real shit like it's like many people have said you know, that you should be uncomfortable when you're doing social justice work. That's not like just like something that people say over and over again in workshops that, you know, you should think about. Like, like literally it's uncomfortable (laughs) physically, emotionally, like when you are somebody who's doing this work. And especially if you've made it a life commitment, like someone like Nora, someone like myself have, it's like uncomfortable all the time at any time, you know, you know, you might get a hate phone call. You might get a hateful email. Someone might start to attack you online or maybe 30 million times you'll be attacked online. Um, mm-hmm. Like it's just like that's part of it. And I think people should see it. But, you know, hopefully people are seeing it and like taking it in and not just ignoring it and saying, oh, you know what? I think this is about timing. Like, I just like don't ignore all the things that are happening around you. Context is important. Context matters. And Nora's providing that context for you. And she certainly doesn't have to and shouldn't even have to look at mm-hmm. all of the messages that she's getting. But she's doing it and putting it out there and showing people like this is this is what's happening. And it's as a result of people organizing for it. Um I, I will reiterate something that I said earlier. This is really scary to me. It makes clear to me how unprepared we are to deal with a highly organized, heinous right. I, um, 
we're really slow compared to uh to to the right uh the sun had i think several uh comment pieces out on it not to mention all sorts of different places uh from you know in canada and the u.s and blogs and so on and whatever uh we're slow <laughs> uh in some ways i think it, like in this particular case like if i was to do like a media analysis like it benefits us because the tide is changing now and whatever but in any case it's it's just not good if we're like not making a strategic decision to do that and we're just slow like we need the ability to be fast <laughs> you know it's just and we're just so uncoordinated in the way that the right can just be like okay here are the different messages that we need to put out here are the different people who we can manipulate to put out those messages and to repeat it for us here are the different platforms that we're going to do it on here's where we're going to grab people to do it our centuries and here's how we're going to manipulate uh, the mass media like they've it's they've got it really figured out it's fucking scary we got to get it together <sighs> i hope that this episode has given people a bit of an insight into what it's like to weather something like this and what it's like to kind of be an overnight obsession of many many people who may or may not exist but for us on the left this is just for me anyway this is the beginning of a of a of a deep reflection that I think that we that we need to have um, that we need to have uh, with other people who've experienced this because as Sandy mentioned there's there's not just it's not just Black Lives Matter it's not just me there's other people that have experienced this um, thinking of folks in Halifax for example or or people who've maybe experienced it in a smaller scale but because it's more local it's like even more personally intense. And we need to be better at, at, at responding to it immediately and not and not taking the bait, right? Not making your first re reaction being like, oh, Nora, I spend so much time on buses. I can't believe you were so insensitive. And then forcing me to be like, go back and read my Twitter feed. I actually responded to the tragedy. Like, for Christ's sakes, guys. <laughs> Meet me halfway. Mm -hmm.